0: God. As you're turning in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, we're going to begin uh, looking at uh, some verses in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. I I want to thank all of you for standing so faithfully during this this journey that was a little longer than those that um, normally we've been taking. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Fabian for speaking the past two Sundays and Brother Burke for speaking on Wednesday night. Um, It's such a good thing to know that our congregation here is functioning and holding strong in the midst of this wonderful place that God has given us in the Spirit. So I thank you for that and bless you for it. So I was uh, preparing for what God wanted me to share this morning. he really kept directing me to what Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. And as I began to just read these these epistles, it stunned me to see the parallels of what Paul dealt with as he was spreading the message of uh, the Lord to the Gentile churches in his missionary journeys, uh, to what we've been dealing with what we've been facing the way the enemy has tried to uh, maneuver and to create different types of obstacles for us and I would I would encourage you I mean Les read from uh, Paul's writings this morning just a few minutes ago uh, I would encourage you to particularly read this this epistle and and um, Really, lay before your heart these words, these anointed words, and see the parallels, and not only the parallels, um, to see the um, the way that the strategies of the Lord and the oppositions of the enemy are continually being uh, revisited as we go forth to carry carry on in the in the footsteps of Paul. You know, it's said that sometimes, uh, you know, it's, it's said that history repeats itself. And um, I, I understand that. Uh, I, I understand these principles are very, very strongly reverberating through what we do. Uh, what Paul did was uh, unique. And uh, I would say that some of the things he did We aren't necessarily repeating, but we certainly are singing in harmony with it. And so, um, please read these because these are words that we need to remember. Like in the first chapter here, you see Paul talking about those that would say, I'm of Paul, Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of Apollos. And Paul reminding them that we're all serving Christ. So there doesn't need to be that. Mobilization to see who can be saluted more. There's enough at this table for everybody to k- stay busy and to stay functioning. Um, you see, um, you see that uh, he, Paul spoke about how the Jews and the Greeks, the Jews wanted signs, the Greeks wanted wisdom. And, um, you know, we just need to keep seeking after God. there's plenty of both as we seek after him. And I was I was also looking at how Paul um, Paul came to Corinth. I mean he had just been in Athens and um, he was up on Mars Hill and he was talking about how that he could see these idols, and these belief systems, by all of these different uh, groups of people, and he stood in the midst of all of that and didn't say, "Oh yeah, we can take a little from this altar and a little from that altar and a little from the Epicureans here and a little from the Stoics." You know, they're all hearing from God. No, he said, "You guys are are too superstitious. I mean, you're you're worshiping all these crazy things, and we have." the message from the one true God to the unknown God. And, and I, I think that when he said it was the unknown God, he meant that in a number of ways, not just because some of these people hadn't heard of the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, but that wonderful thing about how that our God is continually revealing to us things that are unknown and things that are new to us in this season as in his choosing. And I was thinking about Paul, where he uh, he was up there on this hillside. And I was thinking about us being privileged to go, for instance, to India, and to see the the people who God loves, and to see these tremendous idols that were built—some fifty, sixty feet tall. Some of them out in the middle of nowhere. You'd be driving along, and you you drive onto dirt roads and then here you see these massive idols and and you see these kinds of things and the sacrifices that people give and i'm not any more interested in hearing nonsense that comes out of those idols than i'm interested in hearing <laughs> Well, let's just say this. <laughs> I'm not interested in hearing the nonsense that comes from those idols. There's nothing there that's from God. It's just demonic babble. And, you know, I remember going, being blessed to go into China for a few days and to see uh, the different things just around Beijing where there are Buddhist temples and idols and different different manifestations there in that communist country. There are revelation that was given through the demonic there. But I'm not interested in any of that. That's not from my God. It may be about the spirit realm, but it's from a tainted, twisted variety of demonic doctrines. I'm not interested in that. I want to seek after my father and what he would reveal in his timing. And so Paul uh, came into Corinth or uh, after he had been in Athens, and um, he had just confronted those that were worshiping all these other viewpoints, and he meets Aquila and Priscilla who had just been driven out of Rome by the edict of the Roman rulers, and he met them and he uh, he said, "Wow, you know, I've I've been wanting to go to Rome, guy. No." The Lord has put it before me to go there, and here he had people who were also tent makers that he was that he was going to, you know, spend time with, and they became very close companions of him, and that was his introduction into Corinth, or as we in text it would say, Corinth. <laughs> you know, so um, I just think it's very interesting that Paul is following. The Lord gives him vision. The Lord gives him direction. And then he, he he's doesn't forget that he's supposed to go there. But God brings people in his pathway who then facilitate the ongoing pursuit of that. That's what God's been doing for us. And I see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, verse 26. We'll pick up there and go into chapter 2. For you see your calling, brothers, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. Look at that. That they're, they're not called. It's not like God went to them first. They're not, they're not called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. God has chosen, yea, things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh would glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, Let him glory in the Lord. I love that. And you find God opening these doors all around the world. And um, you find that these are people, pockets of people that are hidden, but are prepared of God, who are hungry for what God wants to do. And um, you, you, you just see that God preserves these people and holds them for his timing, and then he opens the doors. This is the way God moves. It's not through an ad campaign. It's not through the devices of men and women. It's not through a structured uh, marching plan. You know, what I see in in the pattern of the Lord is that you pray, and you, you sense what He's saying. You take note of that. Even the visions and the promises of different lands and different peoples. But you don't push ahead the first time he shows you. You wait for him to open that door. Because if you go beforehand, you can do a right thing in the wrong time and it can be destructive. We see that in the Old Testament over and over again. Some of the greatest prophetic words that were delivered to kings in in the Old Testament were, were throttled because... The, the individual heard that word and went ahead of God, and then it was folly. So we find God doing that kind of thing. We find him speaking things to us, and then he opens the door. And the planning then comes once you see the door that God has opened, once you have the, the invitation that you know is from God, Once you then see what God is beginning to do in his fields, then you pray about how to approach that, how to follow it, what to do. But your planning is not the thing that opens the door. It's your prayer and your submission that in God's timing opens the door. And then you, with fear and trembling, walk into it, not being afraid, but waiting It's like being where you are in awe of God, where you come before God in that way. Paul said, when I came to you first, I did not come with, you know, um, well, it's the next verse. I came not with you with excellency, speech, or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit of your power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, we're not, we don't go in fearfully. Uh, you know, it's funny, though, because when we're praying, even when I know God has opened a door, you know, I remember... You know, on this last trip that was so blessed, um, I remember praying in here, feeling the quaking of the Lord, and feeling that it's, it's not being afraid, it's having the vibrancy of the calling as it moves in you, and you recognize that it's not anything to do with you, it's, it's God and the desperation of needing Him, and, and not just going and feeling that, you know, it's just going to happen, bless God, because we're going. There's that, there's that meekness and that hunger for Him, that confidence, yes, but that registry deep in your spirit that with every step, you have to rely on Him. With every step, you need Him and that's kind of an odd that's kind of an odd thing to try to write because it makes you know when you read verse 3 i was with you in weakness in fear in much trembling it makes it seem like paul was some kind of a sissy that that was just you know quaking in his boots about what might go wrong that is not it paul was a was a spiritual I can just say this. He wouldn't say it. A spiritual giant. But yet he recognized that when he went into these places that it was not him. And and here's a man that under the anointing of the Spirit wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he's saying here, I did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. This is the guy who was entrusted by the Spirit of God to lay out the things that are preached in churches all over the world week after week through the anointing of the Spirit. So if anybody would have had the, the latitude to say, you know, I'm going to come and teach you some deep things in the Spirit, what's he saying here? I'm coming and I'm not coming in, excellency of speech. I am, I am obeying, and God is going to meet that obedience And um, that's the pathway, that's the pathway we're on, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power and the function of God. You know, when we go into places, when we meet new intercessors and leaders, you know, one of the things that I've said to each of these pastors, we don't want anything from you. We're not coming here to to be your ruler. We're coming here to stand alongside you as brothers. We're coming to, to stand alongside you in obedience and to pattern for you the things that God has given us. Freely we receive, freely we give. That was a word that the prophetic presbytery gave to me at the end of seminar. And, and um, you know, Sarah and Elizabeth's dad spoke that word to me on that. Uh, that's the, the way my prophecy... Began as I listened to it freely, you've received freely give. And there's there's a difference in that when you're standing before people who God has opened their hearts. There's a necessity in that, that we've come to give what we've been given and we're going to stand with you in prayer that you can pattern this and that you can demonstrate it. That's what separates us from a denomination, Spiritual fathers stand with people and they want them to grow and they want them to develop and they rejoice in their growth. Religious leaders often stand and they want accountability and they want a measure not so much of guidance but of control. And and I'm saying that loosely here because there are some religious leaders that are fathers. But, you know, in that nation we just came out of, you know, the question over and over again in these massive denominations that are down there, there's a, there's an element of control. You take our name, but we're going to tell you what to do. And it's so odd for them to to have people come that God has led to them who are going to say, we don't want anything from you. We want to give to you what we've received. We're not asking for anything. All, all we want is... To to stand alongside you to see you grow in the Lord and that's our heart you know that's that's your heart and um, so you see this in Paul you really do and like he'll write words and he'll say you know when I come to you you know when I'm writing these letters I see that there are things that need to be corrected and I take a hard stand but when i come to you some of you're confused by that because i come and i'm gracious and i'm kind and and i'm loving paul writes that but but uh, don't think don't mistake that graciousness for a lack of a spine and there's there's a there's a unique blend for us as a saints network as we go around the world because we're not there to to wave the flag and say this is the way you're going to do it we're there to say this is what God says. Here it is in his word. Put away these lesser things and be the sons and the saints that God has called you to be. This you find in what Paul writes. This is the example of even what Peter wrote. And, um, and, and I love this. In verse 6 of chapter 2 says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a a musterion. Even the hidden wisdom, that that word is not crypto, that is a word that's horizo, and it speaks about those ongoing frontiers that God lays before you. Uh, This is the hidden wisdom of God. This is God's timetable. This is Him saying, you go here, And you establish. And then I'm going to open up this horizon. And you establish. And then I'm going to open up this. It's a calculated outpouring of how God is shining the light into the darkness through his sons and daughters. And I I love that. God ordained this before the world for the privilege of us partnering with him in glory. None of the princes of this world knew this even those demons that are launching those spiritual truths from around the world. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For it's written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that are moving in his agape. God has revealed this unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the bathos of God. For what man knows the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God no man knows but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Do you see this over and over again? Paul doesn't have any interest in what the princes of this world, the wisdom of man from around the world would say, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing pneumatikos things with pneumatikos. That's it. That's the way God teaches his people. It's not according to the princes of this world. It's not according to man's wisdom. It's not according to anything that emerges from outside the paradigm of God directing. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are discerned through the pneumatikos. But he that is pneumatikos judges all things, yet he himself is not subjected to to the scrutiny of mankind. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. And then Paul, with his iconic stance, says, Brothers, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, as pneumatikos, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, but for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able... And then he goes down through the the way carnality tries to attack, and envying, and strife, and divisions, and walking as the men of this world. Uh, the, these things cannot be. But we stay in the pathway of God revealing. And um, you know, one of the beautiful things is that you know, I've never I've never really understood this because when you continue to pray in diversities of tongues and you spend time before God and you don't try to press beyond the envelope of what he's wanting to show and what he's wanting to do. And God, even after 22 years of moving as a saint and all the time in my life uh, that God has allowed seers' giftings to operate, um... God still can show things about things that we thought we already knew. It's very interesting. You know, I we were praying. The first thing that we as the team that went into Brazil did was we went to the host church and we prayed for an hour. Proscuneoed. And, you know, I was laying up there on the concrete, and it was clean because they had just hosed it down. They just cleaned it all out. And it was great. I appreciate Pastor Luciano for doing that. But we were praying, and uh, man, our, our people, all the saints, the team, just began to call unto the Lord. And before I recognized what was going on, I was surrounded by the angelic, and these armies of angels were coming in, and they were rejoicing, and it was vibrant. And and I I was grateful because... We've been in those kinds of environments before, and it's always triumphant. You can't make it happen. You can't say, well, you know, I'm kind of bored with this. You know, God, I wish you'd do something. You wait for the Lord. But here's where I'm going with this. There were some statements that were made that were really magnificent, and the words that God was giving to our other team as, as we were all praying was was great. But one of the things that I didn't share in my report as we processed in a fivefold way was one of the first angels that came in, a leader of the army, I'd noticed this, that each one of these groups that came in had a predominant color of the Lord that was flowing over them. It was that these angels that were that are, as Les was mentioning, divine ministers, divine messengers, divine warriors of what he's wanting to do. I knew that their languages were different. I knew that their songs were different. I knew that the way they were armored were different. But this time, what was so profound was the flowing of the colors on the top of them. And one of the one of the first group that came through stood there and and I was praying and and he made clear that there wasn't anything that I needed to do. I just needed to watch, but he was going to stand there with me. And at one point he said, do you recognize the banner of the Lord over these armies? And as soon as he said that question, it dawned on me that this was really what we prophetically personify when we wave the banners. Now we've taught on this, there have been books written on it, but never have I seen that so clearly with angelic armies, where the, where the breath of God, the ways of God, each of them was fulfilling a different fivefold function of the mind of Christ. And it, and I saw these little ones up here waving the banners this morning, and it blessed me. And, uh, in fact, one of the little Jordan Birches was just working that glory of God, man. I, I wish we would seek after God as hard as he was waving that banner. In fact, I had to move back because I thought, man, if he lets loose of that thing, I need sh- more than the shield of faith this morning. But, you know, it, it just was astounding to me that there we were praying, as we've been privileged to do so many times, and here was going to be a declaration by a mighty angel about that continent But each one of those armed groups was representing one of the expressions of the mind of of Christ. And and when I saw our little ones waving those banners, I thought, wow, do do we even realize that this is the way God's armies move? This is the way God's, God's Spirit moves when He's upon a people, the colors of His ways. So pure, so clear, that's like like a river flowing of the mind of God. I was just blessed by that and and the 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 strength of that was so profoundly registering in my spirit. We're being led by our Father. He is showing us his pneumaticaust things, and every piece, every, Every release in his timetable is cherished because of what we've been blessed to know in the past. And even nuances that are revealed in a new way, a subtle subtle way of the Spirit, which is not subtle at all because God arranges for that. That question that was asked of me was a gift from God. Uh, so many of the angelic, you read in the Scripture, they ask you questions because then it draws out of that deposit of the Spirit within you in connecting with the Spirit of God in His timetable. And it is, it, is, it is a stirring point. It's a seed of revelation. I, I'm so grateful for that. But that's way, the way it's been for years now. And that's the way it is here for Paul. And, and he's, he's saying... You are a pneumatikos people. Stay with it. Don't become carnal. Because when you become carnal, you you get into meat and you you get into strife, divisions, envyings, competition. You get into schisms. You get into um, the wisdom of this world. You get into the wisdom of the princes of this world. And we don't want any of that. We don't need that. God forbid that any of us taste of that. And Paul just is saying it to the people in the church of Corinth. And um, I, just, I just felt this, you know. Paul recognizes in chapter 3, we're not going to go through the whole book. Um, I don't think so. This morning. One says, I am of Paul. Another says, I'm of Paulus. You are carnal when you do that. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God gives the increase. He that plants and he that waters are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor because we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, and you are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation, another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Everything else is is wood, hay, and stubble. I I see that. We see that. We all need to stay moving with this great tidal wave of God's timing and His power. And if we just be, if we just, as, as Scott said, and let's reiterate it, if we just be what we are supposed to be, we're going to serve God. We don't need to... Think God's forgotten us and borrow from other things. This is what Paul is saying here, and this is what we're seeing as God, um, as God releases the nations into our care, and um, you know, I, I I think that I I believe that this is an exhortation for all of us to remain faithful in praying, to remain faithful in seeking the Lord because He is making the appointments. He is opening the doors. He's leading us to those horizons that from the foundation of the world He laid out. And um, I'm I'm so grateful for that. And, you know... uh, what we what we have need of now, is the wisdom of how to to manage these things. And you know, I spoke about the the ten four, Zechariah ten four about how that uh, that was a a message that God gave a couple of times in Brazil, um, how that the corner. And uh, I I borrowed some from some teachings that Tammy had given about uh, that word and Elijah's appointment and how that that corner is strategically laid for us and the nail upon which we hold on to but also hang the the plummet of the Lord of righteousness and the, the battle bow for the mighty men that signifies the lightning that goes, but then that last one, which is translated in our Bible as the oppressor, and really what that means is somebody that can hear and process and get 100% return out of what's there. Now, if you're working for that person, you might call such an individual as an oppressor because they want to get everything they can, every bit of of, um, you know, we would hope that as Les manages money that he's a bit of an oppressor, that he's going to get as much return as, as you can in, in what's invested. But in every area, to be an, imp- an oppressor, that's a bad term, but to be somebody that, that makes the demand that what God has laid, we're going to get 100%. We're not going to settle for 30 or for 60. We're going to get 100%. That's the kind of anointing that I'm laying claim to for this house and for the council of the saints in this hour because to be able to manage these, uh, these many different theaters of operation and to do so in a way where we are fulfilling what God has given us to do and that we put demands on people from the Lord, okay, we need indigenous people to take a stand here and to do this and to do that. And to coordinate that under the anointing is something that is indicated in that last f- framework, and, and it does align with the book of Revelation where the earthquakes, when things are turned right side up, you've got to have somebody, a.k.a. Peter, who stood there on the day of Pentecost and out of the blue of the Spirit pulls Joel 2 and brings that in there. And... Um, we, we've got to have that wisdom in management uh, in that ten four when the earth quakes and things are turned right side up. So I release that to us. Um, I, and I was thinking, you know, when God does open up Eastern Europe and he opens up Poland and he opens up the, the Asian countries to a greater degree, we're going to have to buy two or three more ca- calendars to be able to figure out how we get teams going in all these different places, and to, to know who needs to go where, and to know, you know, but God's with that, amen? So I just say this, uh, this is not me carving up a big filet mignon and bringing it to you today, this is more of an exhortation message, and a, and a triumphant praise to the Lord, and thanks to Him for what he's done but I want to encourage you you were made for this hour and you know I, you do what you're supposed to do and then God gives you promotion and he gives you more things to do but he doesn't do that before the time because it could destroy you and and so I just ask for the wisdom of the Lord to come upon us that we would um, we would be able to manage this properly under his direction, and not turn to our own thoughts, and this is what God's been doing. But I speak blessing over all of our saints' family and over this house, and I speak health and strength and provision. I speak encouragement. I speak that we would remain faithful as as those sons and daughters who intercede faithfully before God don't give up man we are we are seeing God move he is he's only begun to bring the fruitfulness but goodness gracious the fruitfulness that's already been coming um <laughs> we 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 were visiting in this little city called Ribeiro Preto, and we went to this park because the pastors wanted to show us this, this place where there was uh, water, and it was real pretty. But we parked under this grove of mango trees. These things were huge. And I got out of the vehicle I was riding in, and all of a sudden this thing, pow, <laughs> it drops right by me. And, and everybody looks up, and they're yelling, Pastor, are you okay? Did that hit you? And everybody's looking, and suddenly the guys that drove the cars are backing up because they recognize that these mangoes are about to fall. I mean, they're ripe. And there were these little monkeys that were running around getting these mangoes and eating them right out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and um, so it, I, it kind of blessed me that as we were walking through these mango groves that I played baseball for so many years because I can – Shag flies. I've never shagged mangoes before, but um, I guess what I'm saying is when the fruit starts coming, you've got to be really wise because you can get knocked on the noggin if you're not careful. So let's not be knocked on the noggin by the fruitfulness of the Lord. Amen? We say that, Louise. We'll put that in a bumper sticker. We'll stick it on our cars. Alright. well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for in standing in this place, when we all first began to hear your cry and we said, yes, Lord, we do it again a million times over and more. little did we realize the extent of what you were going to do through your saints. And I want to stand here in the presence of this congregation and this group of saints that are our family around the world and give you thanks from my heart and from the heart of this people for your long suffering and for your continued love and grace in leading us, in spite of ourselves on many occasions, to this point. And I thank you that. As you've begun this good work, you're going to be faithful to keep on doing it. And I speak blessing to your people and to the many hundreds and thousands that are coming. I I speak blessing over all of us that we would stay in alignment with you and that you would cause us not to fall into deception and not to fall into any of the traps of the enemy, but to keep pressing forward for your glory. And I bless all of these dear ones who have labored for you. I'm speaking about them now, Father. I'm not speaking about me, so I can be a little bit prideful for them. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for their willingness. I thank you for their commitment that did not give up and did not run away when it would have been easy to do that in the natural. And I speak, Father, that you'd bring them into increasing steps of promotion and increasing steps of growth and development and, and in and an abundance of blessing and provision. Help us, Lord, to continue to serve you. But thank you for the privilege of being able to do this. We love you, and we ask and declare all of these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you.